Josh, the uh, the pneumonia defense is not flying with a lot of the Sooner Nation on the <laughs> no Kenipomai Chevrolet text line. <laughs> oh, unreal! The nine one eight hit us up on the text line. All those terrible stats you just mentioned for Kansas just tells me they will do great in those areas Saturday, just like UCF's run defense. I mean, there were there were some absolute massive statistical advantages in the run game for Oklahoma against UCF, right? Massive. And... In fact, if if I'm not mistaken, I I feel like one of the UCF insiders we had on, I remember him saying, you know, one of the areas that UCF is strong on is their pass defense. But maybe that's just teams realizing they don't have to throw the ball on them, they can just run it. And that proved to be a problem for the Sooners on Saturday. So... It's a really good point for the 918. Really good point. I, 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 I don't like that point. But, Josh, it's not wrong, right? All, all the numbers trended towards the Sooners having ridiculous success against against UCF. Sure they did. But uh, obviously uh, did not did not play out that way, at least until late. They, then uh, they, they started creasing some things late. But, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously throughout it's not like they were just – gashing UCF left and right. But uh, let's hope the numbers are what the numbers say they are. You know, I, I could make an argument for you, though, that these numbers that we're talking about match up a little bit better for Oklahoma than uh, maybe those did because Oklahoma coming in, we wouldn't say was this great run of the football team, but Oklahoma has been a great third-down offense. Yeah. So Kansas being a terrible third-down defense, that's not, not great for KU. Oklahoma, I feel like, has been good in the red zone offensively, have they not? Uh, yeah. No, they have. They have. Um, but I would also I would also add that angle, take, whatever way you want to look at it that Teddy always talks about. You always end up getting a different team than you see on tape whenever it's Oklahoma. And I don't know if that is factoring into any of this in y'all's minds or not, but and not necessarily excusing UCF, Josh, but in kind of saying maybe that was I, – I was <laughs> – I consumed a lot of college football content last night, okay? And I was listening to the uh, On3 Texas guy. I guess Texas played the worst game we've ever seen when they played OU in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday uh, – a couple Saturdays ago, and that had nothing to do with Oklahoma. But he brought up a really good point, and it was – that game for both sides, that OU-Texas game, can be so incredibly draining even when you win. And Oklahoma, and, and maybe the best thing that could have happened for both sides, Josh, OU and Texas, was to not have the bye week after that game, right? I, you and I look at it, and it seems perfect at the halfway point. But I guess my point in bringing up more than anything else is what you and I have said a lot this weekend, or this week, carried over concerns from UCF and what the numbers said leading in that game will be easily explained away if Oklahoma goes out and takes care of business Saturday against Kansas. Absolutely. Go out and win by three scores, go. and 
Oklahoma fans, everybody's feeling great. A lot of pneumonia jokes. A lot of pneumonia jokes. We'll get to those. Uh, never. Oh, no. We'll get to those never, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> I do appreciate it. Jeff from OKC just hit, and it's a good point, too. I'm getting a little more worried about KU because they got an extra week to prep for OU. They're coming off a bye week. They've been prepping for OU all, all off season. That's just the reality of it. There's a little, and I think even Brent Venables was talking about you prep for, you know, certain teams, you know, a little bit. Hey, you know, here's, this is something you're going to see from Kansas and UCF does this. You know, Brent even talked about, Coach Venables was talking a lot about Kansas, Josh, during UCF week. And not like intentionally going out and saying this UCF team is something else, but Kansas. Like when he would bring up that great Monday coaches show that he had two weeks ago, when he was talking about deceptive plays, he goes, listen, UCF's one of the best in the country. Next week, it's a really good team, too. So you, you learn on both angles, right? You learn how to handle it in preparation for UCF, and then you see it, and you're a little bit more prepared for it against Kansas. So I agree with you, Jeff. KU coming off a of bye week. Uh, and, in fact, this will be back-to-back teams at OU, which included themselves last week, that they'll play coming off bye weeks. Oklahoma State had its bye after, like, week three. They had, like, a randomly early bye. But that's one extra angle, I guess, in the eyes of Jeff and maybe some of you for Saturday. Okay, you ready for some uh, coaches' corner previews? Am I ready? Let's go. Now, uh, kudos. I want to give kudos where kudos are due. Drake Dykin went and edited a lot of the audio from Coaches' Corner. But I got to pat myself on the back because, A, I asked this question. And B, I went and found it, Josh. <laughs> but here is, I, I'm going. I'm going defense first, offense second, because we saw against Texas, and I know that's going back three weeks. But against Texas, what do we see about that corner position? There is some depth concerns there, right? Um, Woody Washington has been the constant. I I would almost argue he's played more snaps than anyone on the defensive side of the football. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I'd feel pretty confident that either he or Stutzman would be right there 1-2 for the most snaps played this year. Gentry's been dinged up a little bit. You saw when Kenai Walker was out that they ended up having to move Key Lawrence to a corner because, you know, the, the freshman and, like, the Jacoby Johnson's not quite there yet. Macari Vickers battled an injury. Josiah Wagner's battled an injury. But. When you think about the, the foundation for that position going forward, you have Gentry Williams that's out there playing, and you have three freshmen that appear to be the cornerstones. Here's what Jay Valai said about the youth in his room and what he's seen from The them. three youngins right there, they're going to be really good football uh, Jacoby players. Jacoby Johnson, too, you're right. We Jaco- sure Jacoby uh, is a phenomenal athlete, and his upside is going to be elite once he gets it fully together. Obviously, uh, him playing so much a receiver in high school, and playing some corner, but understanding the whole entire system now, he's getting better and better. Uh, Makari Vickers is a football player. Now he's playing corner, and his learning of the game and his aggression. And, you know, he came up there trying to swing for the fences on one he, he tried to have out there, which I love the mindset. And then uh, the guy Josiah is coming back, and he's going to get better and better here and, and getting healthy. And the kids started for us in spring. So, uh, uh, and his, you know, whole mindset of being on football fields, you love a pit bull like that. So, uh, you know, all these guys have come along, but once again, it's steady growth and progression. So I, the one thing that stood out to me was that Josiah Wagner was their starting cornerback in spring. 
Now, there needs to be some, like, asterisks to that. I remember Gentry Williams was still dealing with medical issues, and I don't remember I don't remember if he was 100% quite yet in the spring, but it's kind of wild to think that with all the other names that you've seen so far this year that have played some corner, that the guy that was starting opposite Woody Washington in the spring was Josiah Wagner. And some thought that had he not been dinged up, some thought that had he not been dinged up, Josh, he would have been the uh, opening day start. But he got dinged. He's healthy. I know we're seven games in, so you're not going to start, you know, rolling the rotation too terribly much. But that got me excited thinking about, okay, here's Wagner. We've seen a little bit of Vickers, and as he said, hey, he went for a big hit, and he missed, but he learned from it, and he'll be better for it. I think he was in on a series against UCF on Saturday. The more chances you find to get these guys out there, maybe they star, maybe they wow. And if, you know, Gentry's a guy that, I mean, I love Gentry Williams, but Josh, I don't think he's been able to stay on the field as much as you would like, right? There's been the shoulder issues that he's had. He's had stingers. So there's at least maybe three to five plays per game that he's off the field. And then there's, you know, obviously different kind of uh, packages that they have where you'll see a Kenai Walker out there. But if that happens where another guy gets hurt, now it seems like, okay, with having Josiah Wagner back, with having Makari Vickers, and obviously Jacoby Johnson is more, you know, thinking next year, that helps that depth if you get into a situation like you were in with Texas, again, sure. you would assume. Yeah, and, you know, you don't hope for it, obviously, but you plan for it and the likelihood that at some point something's going to come up probably the rest of the way here. Knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't. But uh, you have to have that depth. you, you got to be able to, to plug and play and feel like you're not going to lose a whole bunch. But obviously what you said is correct. With uh, Woody Washington and Gentry Williams, when those guys are healthy, th- they've played good football. So probably you're not replacing anybody. But, uh, you know, a snap here or there or in a different-looking package, right? If you, mm-hmm. you bring another cornerback onto the field for one reason or another, then uh, it's, it's nice to have Josiah Wagner and others back in the mix. So depth doesn't hurt, man. Shep just texted me. It's official. Um, it's a sellout for OU Kansas. So OU Kansas sellout on Saturday. So you got that. Meanwhile, sticking with Jay Valai, teachable moments from that UCF game. What did we learn? I like it, you know, from, from that perspective, guys responding and, and thinking it through, but you see how close you actually were to it. You know, uh, close to having a dominating game, but then you let a couple big plays happen in uh, run game or or the little trickeration pass on Woody right there too. It was just high discipline and and uh, but all our guys have ownership of it, and we know how much better we can get because of it. You know, everyone wants to crown you, you know, after one game, and and uh, you know the big thing we're continuously continues to get better and, and keep our head down and work and grind. All right, two more, two more. Number one, the. The preparation for two quarterbacks. You, we used to always joke that coaches were professional liars, right, in some instances. And usually when you're talking about a quarterback, it seemed kind of odd for Lance Leipold to come out and just say, yeah, we don't know if he's going to be ready. But Jay Valai talked about the preparation in back-to-back weeks for Oklahoma in preparing for two quarterbacks. Preparation is preparation, but you know the matchups you have. Obviously, you understand who's going to be out there because – each player has different attributes that they're better at, but 
just understand the whole entire game plan and whole entire scheme. And for Kansas, it's never, ever going to be about one guy. You know what I mean? It's their culture and their scheme that makes Kansas, Kansas. I think Coach Leifold's done a great job. He did the same thing at Buffalo, obviously, yep. the same thing. So uh, it's, it's the scheme and the culture you're going against. One more. Got time for one more from uh, Jay Valai. We got time. What does he see in the KU offense? Very multiple different things they do. They're going to really, really stress your discipline. How disciplined of a football team are you? Whether it's in gap schemes or whether, you know, on the perimeter or, or you know, unbalanced tricks, you know, different type of huddles, different type of tempos. But the biggest thing is always goes down to, you know, your bread and butter. What's my key? What's my responsibility? Do your job. And if you do your job, you'll play well. If you don't, and as soon as you have that brain fart or, uh, you know, I'm looking at a lot, a lot of land here, and you know, I'm in Narnia looking around like this, you know. I'm not focused on my details. So that's when they're going to get you. But really respect uh, the whole entire staff at Kansas of what they've done. And you've seen their progression in three years has been amazing over there. And I think it's a lot is because of their culture and obviously because of their system they run. And they're, they're, you know, hard set on it as well, too. Ooh, there's one more here I wanted to play. One more. And that was on what he's seen as this defense continues to get better. All the guys in the room, they know that we're nowhere we want to be. You know, like I said, before I got here, I played in the Natty. And the reason that we kept getting better and went to the Natty and we lost to A&M that year is every week we got to get better. You got to find, uh, you know, you put, put it on the wall, shoot holes in it, reset, reload, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And all the guys know that across the board is, you know, uh, there's a difference between hungry, you know, starving and malnourished. I think you've got to have a malnourished mindset to get from point A to point B at the end of the season where you really want to be. Mm. Like you don't get, you know. This ain't Halloween where you, yeah, we get, we beat one team, so we're going to get like Skittles and you know, thumbs up. Like, that's not why I came here, and that's not what Oklahoma stands for. So we know how much better we got to get to get to where we want to be. There you go. There you go. Anything from uh, Jay Valai there that caught your ear? You'll hear it, by the way, tonight right here on The Ref. Uh, I think we start at 7 o'clock with the uh, Coach's Corner show. And, of course, it's available coming up as soon as the show hits the air as well on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Back-to-back blowout wins, and can we have Skittles? As soon as he said Skittles, I started craving Skittles. I'm not going to lie. Coach, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, no treats. You don't get any You don't get any treats. You don't get any Skittles. All right, hey, when we come back, let's, let's shift to the offensive side of Coach's Corner. We talk to Joe John Finley. And remember, Joe John more than, well, I mean, I think in title he's just the tight ends coach, but a guy that is involved in the offensive game planning, a guy that is involved that knows this offense as well as anyone We'll talk sooner offense heading into Kansas with Joe John Finley next. So, Josh, you know me. I'm a, I'm a stupid Raiders fan. <clears throat> not, not that Raider fans are stupid. I am stupid as a Raiders fan. Uh, there is a Twitter feed that I follow called Raiders Beat, and they had a poll that it was, should the Raiders be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? And I realized that as 45% of the responders said buyers, I realized just how aloof and out of it most of this fan base currently is right now and we actually have a better record than last year but i have much less hope i don't know if we're going to win another game i really don't know if we're going to win another game i think this team could go three and 14 and i'm not even lying i saw my uh my buddy my man raider mike last night i was out uh-huh. having dinner and he he was out about this so we got to chopping it up a little bit raiders and chiefs you know how it goes sure and dude i when i tell you he was so downtrodden on you can't even talk trash no i yeah I, well you know me generally speaking i might take a little pot shot no sure not there, you but... you could talk all the trash you want i mean my gosh man well i mean for me and raider mike 
and I'm saying, yeah, that's true, yeah. But I, I'm i not wired that way to try and, I know, you I know, know. You're, trash you're, you're talk kind. a whole bunch. But, uh, yeah, I, I just feel bad for you guys. It's at the point where I feel bad for Raiders fans. That's such a sad spot to be in when you're pitied by other by other much more successful franchises. That are, that are your rival. I mean, it's so bad that people are like, man, maybe that team was a little jet-lagged on Sunday. Don't, don't feel left out, Kurt. We feel bad for you, too. It's not like professional – well, <laughs> I see a pretty incredible softball team that does have to line up as far as the <laughs> – what flight we're on, the different boarding groups. But for if you're going to tell me an NFL team is jet-lagged, Bro, they're not lining up like we are with softball and baseball with our boarding group, okay? You give softball and baseball the kind of travel that an NFL team, and we'll be beating teams by 100. Raiders might have been jet-lagged. Different kind of jet-lagged. Is that what you're saying? I guess. Holy smokes. Okay. Um, On the offensive side, there was uh, some good stuff with Joe John Finley, who was asked about Gavin Sawchuck and what he saw from Sawchuck late in that game. Even as think about Gavin oh, Sawchuck, you know. We, hold on, coach. Even as as we said before the break, even as the tight ends coach, this is a guy that has been with Jeff Levy for a while, understands his offense, kind of a right hand man. So when you talk with Joe John Finley, you're talking more than just tight ends. Think about Gavin Sawchuck. You know, we all think he's this veteran. You know, he played in the bowl game last year, and he's played. In, that was really the biggest action he's seen this year, and so. I think he just, you know, he got going later in the game. I think he just got comfortable and more comfortable as the game went on. And, and just like any running back, you get into a rhythm and, and you start you start feeling it and, and uh, you're going to play better, especially a guy like him. Who's, you know, he's he's so tough and smart at the same time that he's going to figure it out as, as the game gets going. So hopefully he can build off of that. Mm. I don't know, you know, you, you think about where Gavin Sawchuck is from. You think about kind of his background. You would think he might be a little bit more, what's the best way to put it, acclimated to what he might see tomorrow, or Saturday, excuse me, Littleton, Colorado. I'm going to guess he's played in some rough weather games during his career. So it's not like some cat that's coming from California or Florida and suddenly they're playing their first game in cold, right? I don't. It's not just the fourth quarter on Saturday, Josh. I think that he's set up to have a big game on in Lawrence. I really do. I think that this could be, and we will look back in that fourth quarter and go breakout, and then you'll see it really explode here on Saturday. I'm being so I'm being way overly optimistic, aren't I? With Gavin no, Sawchuck. no, okay. absolutely not. Let's go one week to the next, and let's just expect. <laughs> I mean, come on, a, a bill or more. <laughs> more more uh speaking of the tight end position here's what joe john said about austin stogner and his development man i think uh more than anything just leadership you know i, I know uh Stog hasn't caught as many passes or, or had as many yards as, as he wanted to coming into the season but i know this every coach on our staff feels comfortable when he's on the football field you know it's it's kind of like uh, a, a really good middle linebacker that can get you lined up and and do everything that you ask him to do and do it at a high level. And uh, just like I said, when he's on the football field, you know he knows exactly what to do. He knows all the adjustments. He's seen every single defense that that you can throw at him. And and uh, 
now he's starting to call other people up. You know, when we were down uh, six points, he was the main guy in the huddle calling people up. In, in the right way, you know, it wasn't a negative thing at all. He was he was calling people up, and that's what I love to see. Do you know what I'm going to start doing, Josh? Oh, I know I have something here. Every single time we segue from a take, I'm going to be like, yeah, and, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, that's a, that's a good take on it to, uh, to go with, you know. And, oh, okay, so moving on here. <laughs> well, I, I got to have a little bit more than that, right? There's got to So, anyway, there's a couple of things I feel about the way this is going right now. <laughs> that It's – obnoxious it's i don't know how else to describe it it's overwhelming what what so anyways as uh. soon as we ran the football <laughs> i understand why they do it um i'm sorry all right one more from joe john finley here <laughs> sorry i'm down to all of my sound bites now it's i i'm past the sound i'm down to my there you go uh more from joe john finley here what does he expect to see from the Kansas defense? Man, just their overall team. They play extremely hard. You know, you turn on a, a dang field goal block clip, and these guys are playing extremely hard. And so um, that's what we pride ourselves in. And so, you know, you got to outcompete these guys first and foremost. You're going to get their best shot, however hard they're playing. Uh, last Saturday or, or the Saturday before that, they're going to play a little bit harder when the Sooners come to town. It's homecoming for them. And so, uh, they're an improved defense. They were good last year, but now they're a little bit longer, a little bit faster, a little bit more physical than, than last year. And so, uh, but at the end of the day, it always comes back to, to OU. You know, we got to take care of our business and, and play our game, play to our standard, and then we'll look up at the scoreboard at the end and see what the score is. Love it. Love it. And I guess you could add one more thing to that, Josh. You notice whenever we asked a question about the defense, what did he automatically do about the Kansas defense? It became about the whole team. It's like, ah, you know, it's just a team that plays hard. It's like, oh, okay. Either one, you can look at it one to, to two to three ways, right? One, every coach doesn't want to give away anything, right? So you don't want to risk saying anything about their defense or – you know, anything that could be bulletin board material or give away anything in the media, right? Number two, just trying to make the point that, listen, it's more than just their offense. They're really a hard They're a hard football team is the best way to put it. They're a gritty football team. Or the third thing could have been he just realizes that there is going to be no excuse for them not to put any number or any yardage total up that they want tomorrow. All right, so I keep saying tomorrow, on Saturday. Yeah. So it's one of those three things, and I tend to kind of think it's the third. Yeah, I, I would I imagine. I mean, look, coaches see on tape that a team has a lot of defensive busts or coverage issues, or you can run the football on them. And so, look, I'm sure Joe John's well aware that this is not the best defense that Oklahoma has faced, and yet – you also, as a coach, you can't get caught in that trap of expecting that you're going to see that defense this week, right? So I just – it's probably a combination of, yeah, not trying to set up the expectation that this is somehow going to be easy, even though on paper it looks like some of it could be easier for mm -hmm. Oklahoma. And then the other part is you just don't disrespect – don't disrespect the dub, don't disrespect the no. opponent. That's right. All right, quick break. It's uh, 1030. Wow, it's 1031. Okay, uh, if you missed the announcement, the battle series has been moved to tonight. They'll still start at 6. 
for game, what would this be, three of the Battle Series. So tonight, 6 o'clock, I'll be on the call tonight, Josh. Nice. They, uh, DJ is is unavailable. I guess I wasn't the second choice. So Chad was unavailable. Oh my I guess Toby was unavailable. So they finally got down to asking me to do a softball game. So it was very exciting to get that call. Really, so I'll be with you. I'll be with you tonight. It really is to try to not inconvenience you, right? I don't. I think Coach Castle told him she's tired of me. I think she's like, get that plank guy out of there. I cannot stand him right now. Is there a secret animosity towards yourself? Mm. We'll have to dig. I'll find out. We'll dig a little deeper into that tonight. <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, it, Coach doesn't like my sarcasm. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think – I think it's just to try to make sure that we get a lot of different voices covering the greatest team in r- r- right now on campus. So I think that's kind of what it is, too. And, listen, it's reps. It's reps. I feel pretty good about my softball knowledge, but I am really, really, really – Really, really, really excited to see this team tonight. Okay, quick break. Gary's going to join us next on The Ref. All right, welcome back into Cayman's Group. On a Thursday, you just heard from Joe John Finley and Jay Vlai. You'll hear that full show tonight right here on The Ref and on the Sooner Sports Podcast. We say, I guess it's still good morning to Gary Cavins. How's it going, Gary? It's going great. Good morning. Good morning. This is my key to remember. Cavins emergency response. Water, file, fire, mold. 100%. Right there on the wall. It's beautiful. We're right here to help. Uh, we, we ask a lot just to kind of reinforce it to everyone. We've seen that this, uh, for you, your business model, still the same, local, <laughs> uh, giving back to the community and available 24-7, 365. But you've moved, more, uh, moved and transitioned more into a an emergency response environmental group. Why? And, and what led to that? Well, I... Uh... You know, it's just uh, it's something we'd always kind of dabbled in a little bit, and it's always been a part of the company, just not a very big part of the company. And um, you know, when um, everything when COVID happened and everything, I just I decided this is something that I really enjoy of all the things that we do, and I said this is what I want to do full time. And so I talked to Jessica Cavins about it, and we just started moving full moving forward full speed. And uh, Took a lot of classes, a lot of training. Which still, I still do. do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in training last week, and I spent a little bit of time in training this week too. And uh, you know, it's just something that you know we I enjoy doing. My team enjoys doing, and uh, we're thrilled to be able to help our community. This is also the kind of weather we've had the last few days. That that's that's one of the reasons why you're here because water intrusion, and then in that, you know the. The drying, the, uh, the concern over mold that can happen after it, those are some major concerns when we have – my my dad always called them gully washers. When I came down here, I heard the term toad stranglers. But however you describe a wild amount of rain in a short amount of time, Gary, we got that between – what would that be? Tuesday into most of yesterday. A hundred percent. And we saw a lot of uh, properties that had flooding issues and uh, water intrusion issues through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our team's been out working on uh, those properties nonstop since Tuesday. Um, and, you know, I just came from one and I'm getting ready to head back out to another uh, to do some uh, inspections. Uh, this afternoon and you know i mean that's what we're here for we're just here to help you know if your property is getting wet if it has a water intrusion issue you want to get it dried out by professionals that understand how that process works properly to make sure that you don't have mold growth down the down the road because 
trust me, most insurance policies don't cover mold growth mm. and mold remediation. I would say about 90% of the policies out there don't. Wow. So um, it's one of those things where if, you know, it's important to get it dried out so it doesn't become a mold issue, which becomes an out-of-pocket finance issue. Signs of mold. What is, so you've, you've seen some rain. What are some things you need to be keeping an eye on? Water staining. Sheetrock that looks water stained. Sheetrock that's wet. Sheetrock that's starting to turn yellow or black. Um sheetrock that started growing black fuzz mm. you know um anything like that you need to uh you've got a problem and you need to call us immediately so we can come out and help you out before it becomes a bigger issue for sure 405 uh also one more thing on the water side of things don't wait you know you might say oh you know it's it, that's that whole area over there it's just wet carpet we'll put i'll put a couple fans on it as you said you got to get it professionally done to make sure that it doesn't lead to further issues. Um, even if it's in just one room or even if it's in just one part of the office, Gary, you cannot wait. You cannot procrastinate on something like that. No, not at all. Um, you know, mold growth can start within 24 hours if it's not in the process of drying. Ooh. And the longer you let it set, the more that you're going to have a problem. Um, so it's really important to uh, not let it just set and fester. Give us a call as soon as you see it. Let us come in and help you. We'll help you resolve the water intrusion part and let you know what's going on and so that you can get it fixed. And we'll also structurally dry and extract the water, too. You and I were looking ahead to next week's weather. Yes. And let's just say we are going to have fall kick us right in the gut. Now, is that transitions? I don't know if we're quite at that freezing mark yet, but you look at Saturday. High of... 60 with a low of 51 rain all day low of 38 on sunday with rain low of 32 on monday 33 on tuesday down to 26 for the low on wednesday we getting into pipe concern season here getting close to it not quite yet right not but quite we're, getting yet. There. we're getting there i mean we're we're getting there um you know and uh, you know you want to look for several consecutive days with freezing temperatures but you know you get down to 25 and you're not prepared for it you might have some problems mm -hmm. so you know know that you've got those freezing temperatures coming in and start preparing for it and make sure your pipes the heat's on uh, pipes are secure outside faucet hoses are unhooked uh, you know just the you know the basics uh, because you don't, you don't want to have issues because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And, and, and sometimes you'll get the rain kind of shifting back to just the deluge of rain that we got. And you might not even know where it's coming from. It's like, I've got water here. You can also do that. Hey, we're going to find out where this is coming from, and you're going to be able to fix it for them too. 100%. Yeah. That's what we're here. We're here to, to figure out what's going on and help resolve the issue. So I, I got a couple more things for you before you get out of here. Because we don't want to forget there's more to it than just the emergency response. Chris is still grinding on the roofing. Uh, Jessica, JVT is still grinding on the maintenance side of things. That's right. There's a lot of different arms here to Cavens, isn't there? 100%. 100%. Yep. Jessica's doing great with maintenance. If you have commercial maintenance and need help, give us a call. Uh, Chris is out there inspecting roofs and working on roofing uh, roofing issues and roofing replacements and stuff like that. It's a perfect time of year to get those replaced. Make sure that you're not going to... Your home is protected before this winter mm -hmm. before we get into more rain and, you know, snow and bad bad weather. But you are the only company getting back to emergency response. You're the only company in the state of Oklahoma with professionally trained and elite team of remediation professionals 
Uh, and like you said, you're constantly training yourself. You're constantly training your coworkers. That's important for you because not only does it allow you to fix the problem, but it allows you to fix the problem in a way where hopefully the problem won't happen again and save money for your business and homeowners too. A hundred percent. You know, we, we spend a lot of time in um, training and development, a lot of money, a lot of time in training and development of our team because we want to make sure we have the best elite team in the state of Oklahoma and this region. We also spend a lot of money uh, researching and making sure we have the most state-of-the-art equipment for mold, water, fire, mold, uh, <laughs> storm damage, so we can respond to it and deal with it. Um, and that's something that's really important to us too. So giving back to community, uh, training, development, having the best equipment, and responding and taking care of our clients, those are what our core values are, and that's what we're here to do every day, day in and day out. And we are the local, um, you know, disaster response team that has the best team, the best equipment, and the most equipment in the state of Oklahoma. Anything else I'm missing out that we need to make sure we hit on today? Uh, no, I think we've... I think we hit it, right? Yeah. I always look over. I'm like, emergency response. Right? Well, yeah, I think we got it good. Just know, and that you give back to the community, too. I think that's something we need to hit on every single time. Cavens isn't just, um, you know, it, 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 it's not just a fly-by-night. You've been here. You've been established. As you said, you've local. Uh, over half a million dollars you've given back to the Oklahoma community in just the last four years. And that right. continues to grow. Yes, 100% every day. And the Crosstown Clash probably did. Without Gary Cavins, we might not have got it at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, but constantly giving back. So thanks, Gary. We appreciate you. Thanks for the time, man. You're very welcome. Thank you, Chris. That's Gary Cavins here at the Cavins Emergency Response Group, cavinsgroup.com, 405 405- Five seven three three zero four eight. Sorry, I have it memorized, but just I have to look every so often, Gary. Every so often, just to back it up. <laughs> All right, it is. Oh wow, it's already ten forty-five. Okay, quick break. When we come back, Ryan Wingo made his commitment last night, and I'm sure Parker and Tyler. I don't. I think it happened in time for them to talk about it yesterday. But there has been Josh Helmer, a little bit of. Um, Gray area created on this? Is that a fair way to put it with his dad's comments? I've never understood that. If your kid is committing somewhere, unless you're trying to set up a bidding war now, why would you say, "Uh, uh, I don't know, man, (laughs) but we'll play it for you next and get your take right here on The Ref. OU in Kansas coming up on Saturday. We've been talking about it. Throughout a majority of our two hours and 52 minutes so far here on The Ref. So let's get y'all's take at 405-651-3439. That is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. How are things, by the way, back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio, Josh? All good? Good Thursday so far? It's been great in the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings studios. I'm already nervous about tomorrow's show. I'm just going to tell you right now, straight up. I'm already nervous. Are you prepared for my nervousness? Yeah, it's it's a little nervy, sure. <laughs> I think it's going to be okay though. You good with it? Can we should we tell everybody what we're doing? Sure. Yeah, let's uh let's share the okay. the good news. Josh and I are going to go completely blue and we're going to cuss. No I'm kidding. Um Josh is at Riverwind Casino. And we've got our road trip to Kansas. We did not make the flight. There were uh, several people ahead of us on the depth chart. So T-Row and I are road tripping up with, uh, let's see, Drake and Stats and everybody. 
So Toby and I are going to do part of his show and my show on the road to Lawrence. So eight to nine, I want to say with T-Row, live from the Fergus. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to make sure I get my my cardio. From the Fowler Toyota Smooth Mobile as I'm rolling with Roland. And then I'll be on the road from nine to noon with Toby. Meanwhile, Josh is going to be at Riverwind Casino, hanging out with Justin and the entire crew out there at Riverwind. So, yeah, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? One guy in a mobile car and Josh on remote for the show. What could possibly go wrong here, Josh? I can't imagine anything. Nothing could go wrong. Um, I'm confident. I'm confident. I should. I should. I'm very confident. We're in. We're in a good spot, baby. We're ready to roll. Let's go. It's a football Friday. It'll be fun. Do you have? You don't have a game tonight, do you? Is it tomorrow night? You're yeah. Tomorrow no. Tomorrow. No game tonight. Okay. Uh, we'll. Uh, we'll get after it uh, versus Westmore tomorrow. The five eight zero asks a question that I've been pondering for a while. Any guess on the OSU game time? Looks like an eleven a.m. kick to me. I think our game will be the best for Big Noon. Yep. Thank you're right. I think you're right. Which na- uh, which game is going to rate better? K State, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It's gotta be Bedlam, right? It's bad. It's the last Bedlam. Your primetime games are you know, you're going up against Alabama LSU. There's what's the big there's a big big, big ten game. I mean that we can so I gotta give Keegan Renault credit. He was the one that pointed out a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that says enough, but that would be, what, the Cincinnati game. I think, George, had we could end up with as many as six 11 a.m. kicks this year. Six. Yeah. that's The emphasis on that time slot has just – it's changed everything, right? And I know it's mm-hmm. it's upset Oklahoma fans – obviously at times but it just it is what it is you're oklahoma you're going to rate and so yeah. if they can get you at 11 versus tied up against a couple of other big games at 230 or in prime time then they're going to put you at 11 yeah i agree i agree not uh I, honestly i don't mind it on the road i really don't and i, I wouldn't mind it for that game but like i said uh, it does kind of take money out of my pocket <laughs> every single time uh dallas bill dallas bill with a rather in-depth knippelmeyer chevrolet text you guys know i am mr positive when it comes to ou but i'm a little worried this season with our running game ucf had the worst run defense and we still struggle to run the football what a difference a year makes i know eric gray is gone but we have great flashes of good backs. I know it's a rhetorical question, but what can be done to improve the running game? Well, if you want the if you want the consistent answer we get from the coaches, it is a little bit of everything, right? Got to block better. Uh, I mean, Brent Venables went through it. I don't know if I still have the cut here right in front of my face, but. You know, Coach Venables went pretty in depth on it during his press conference this week, right? You got to run the ball better. You got to make a guy miss here and there. You know, it just it seems as if Josh, it's it's a little bit of everything. 
whenever it comes to the running game, and it's just it, it hasn't it hasn't quite clicked yet. I don't know if you guys could see that, but that was me snapping my fingers to you know basically say it hasn't clicked. I mean, it's it's the question we get. We probably spend at least what would you say, Josh, two shows a week. <laughs> Since the start of the football season, wondering what's going on and trying to find out ways to fix this? I know. And it's just absolutely crazy because we probably spent two shows a week in the summer talking about how good the running backs were going to be and what a strength it was. And it just has not played out that way for Oklahoma. I want to believe that Oklahoma has good, if not you know, one or two great running backs. Maybe one's not healthy and the other just it hasn't totally light bulb clicked on yet. But uh, I don't think Oklahoma has bad running backs, right? Uh, they might, they might, in some ways, you say, just have mediocre running backs right. at this point. But uh, you know, to me, it's okay. Caden Green is that going to be the fix? Uh, interior at left guard, and then right. Savion Bird, McCade Matayer, w- one of those two guys. I mean, is that? It's just finalizing those pieces up front, and then a, a back's got to take it and and be confident and, and, and go run away with this thing. And we, we just haven't seen it. Um, I, I guess if you guys don't mind me making like an Oklahoma state comparison here, Ollie Gordon in his first three games rushed for 44, 53 and 12 yards. And, and then they started using him against Iowa state. And he's been unstoppable since including including 282 yards on October 21st against West Virginia. So, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I just find it to be maybe a a question of, is there one of these guys that's getting ready? I make the Oklahoma State comparison to say, is there one of these guys that's getting ready to have an Ollie Gordon-type breakout? That it's just been a matter of time for him to get the football like he needs to. Top five stories of the day next.